When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What? What? Like, it didn't matter, though, because there's a girl with three boobs in it and a lot of gunfights. Okay, let's talk about the three boobs. I was going to wait to you do this jump until jump right later. ahead to three boobs? Let's just, let's get it out of, let's, let's air, air open the, <laughs> the three elephant. boobs. Let's talk about the three boobs in the room. <laughs> yeah, the third boob in the room. <laughs> Makes me wish I had three hands. You're on Midnight Local, the podcast from How to Drink, where we just talk about things. Movies. Uh, pop culture. Maybe some video games. That too. All the things. The things. The stuff and things. All of the stuff and the things on Midnight Local. Let's get to it. Welcome to Midnight Local. Today we're going to talk about a classic film, one of the greats, one of the top, most, the best movies of all time, I think. Total Recall. I loved this movie. I really did. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. That's so cool. I will say the last 15 minutes or so lost me a bit. Okay. I'm I'm glitching again. We're new to remote recording. If you're watching this on the YouTube, uh it's going to be it's, it's going to be a diminished video quality. She's fully max headrooming out right now. It's <laughs> it's wild. All right, so some stats. Hit me with the stats. Tell me what I got to know about this movie. Total Recall came out in 1990, rated R, an hour and 53 minutes, with a budget of $65 million. It grossed $119.5 million domestically and worldwide $261 million. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, um, the second in our Paul Verhoeven series, the director was Paul Verhoeven, who also did RoboCop yeah. that we have a recent episode on. Hell yeah. Mr. Verhoeven. Genius. Yeah. One of the greats. And Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. You had another one on the list when we talked about RoboCop. Uh, Fourth Man. Um, I'd have to look up like what else did he direct? I'm curious now. I want to know if he's still working. <laughs> Is Paul still working? Might be. Uh, he's got upcoming work. Yeah, TV series Bellamy, Vendetta, L. Uh, oh, some of stuff. We're already getting back to twelve twenty twelve. Tricked Black Book. Oh, he directed Hollow Man in two thousand. Oh, I I, with is that um, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Man. Yeah. Uh, he did Showgirls, Basic Instinct, which is like a remake of one of his earlier films. Oh, Flesh and Blood. I totally forgot about Flesh and Blood. That's actually a pretty cool movie. The Fourth Man, of which Basic Instinct is a remake. Right. Uh, before that, everything he did was in. Um, where is he? Dutch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a Dutch director. And then one of the writers on this movie is our buddy Dan O'Bannon, who wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead. Oh, I did not realize this was an O'Bannon pick. That makes a lot of sense. Damn. Yeah. He's one of three writers credited. Oh, okay. That makes that's fascinating okay i'm just gonna keep circling the drain on this all right Ooh, i'm gonna let you so sit there and ruminate on that while mm. i talk about the leads we've got arnold schwarzenegger sharon yeah, stone always bankable. mel johnson jr 
uh, Michael Ironside. Not, Michael okay? Ironside's a fan. <laughs> I did not realize that his wife was Sharon Stone. I just was watching the movie recently. You know, to to re- I had seen it a thousand times when I was a kid. I was rewatching it, and I was like, "Man, who is she? She's got so she's got it going on." Sharon Stone. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was her in this role that. He decided while she was in this movie that she was going to be the lead in Basic Instinct. I was watching. I was like, man, I wonder if she just like, I wonder if this one got to do some more work or if she just went away. (laughs) Yeah. I was noticing when going through a lot of his stuff that like he tends to like cross over an actor like once. He doesn't reuse them over and over again. But one more. Yeah, exactly. He's like like one role inspires him for another role. And, you know, it's, it's like Ronnie Cox is in this movie and was also in, uh, in Robocop. Robocop. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And also just a, a a minor, not really a flex, but I watched this on HBO and Mm -hmm. it had the HBO presents, uh, the graphic that they put Uh, on their movies ahead of time, which we worked on at imaginary forces. That's true. That's true. (laughs) And every time I I did not get on that gig. Yeah. I did not get to touch that gig. That was, you guys were on that one, but that's okay. Yeah. The graphic Uh, pullout they use is kind of, don't know i look at it and i'm kind of like (laughs) (laughs) i mean the original is so uh seared into my brain yeah the city flyover and then going into the flying spaceship hbo and everything right it's just like a so we were tasked with recreating the original they don't show the whole thing it's a two minute piece i think but they only show the final pullout at the end where you see hbo is a block city which like doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you start the beginning, but hey, it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even the original, I don't think they ever, they've seldom used the original in its entirety when they were. Right. It was that pan up to the sky, and I think HBO sort of like spinning around. Bum, bum, bum. Going into space. This is one of the full times working in my career where we hired a full orchestra to re-record that piece, and I got to like be in the recording studio with like oh, the full cool. orchestra. It was very cool. That's very legit. Yeah, that's very fucking. It's that HBO money, yeah, or that Max money or whatever they're calling. Now it's just Max is dropping day. HBO. Hey, do you know what HBO stands for? I bet the kids don't. Home box office. That's right. That's what my grandmother always called it. She had like my my grandmother was like real into she had pay-per-view when nobody had it and uh the home box office Ah Jack <laughs> drop off the kids for the weekend we'll watch the home box office That's amazing. I've never heard anyone else. What when you hear the sound like what no. happens next in your brain? Do you have something? No. Okay, mine's the Sex and the City title. Whenever I hear, oh. doesn't matter what show I'm watching, I hear dun 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 every time. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Rachel hears Game of Thrones. Well, now's the time for my Sex and the City stories. <laughs> yeah, we we teased it in the last episode. <laughs> I never got to work on Sex and the City, but I did work upstairs from Sex and the City. So prior to going to film school, I was privileged enough to be a production assistant at a place called Michael Schramm and Company. Uh, which is like one of a couple big deals in the world of tabletop cinematography. We did like um, 
uh, food commercials primarily, but also cosmetics. Um, we did like one that was for straight line, which is a uh, company that makes like, like, uh, like tools, like construction tools for your home. Um, I, I mean, I mean, they did other stuff too. I'm just thinking about what I worked on. Um, like slow motion food, sometimes just the inserts, sometimes the whole commercial. We had like a really longstanding relationship with Wendy's. So with Wendy's, we would do the whole commercial, but like with like Dove Bar, we did one with Dove Bar. All we did was the food inserts and like with Maybelline, all we would do is like the special stuff of like the Maybelline stuff, dude. So like, I I don't know if you can imagine this or not, but like there's a shot that was been part of a Maybelline commercial for like mascara. And it's where like a smear of color suddenly like slides and resolves into a tube of mascara. Um, uh, and, and I can see that shot perfectly in my head, even though I've never worn mascara, but I've seen commercials. It never, you, this was in the film days. We were shooting on the films on actual 35, how we got that shot it never would have occurred to me. And it must've been the 10th time they gotten it. They probably did it for different products to reveal them because like I'd seen it before we shot it. Um, there was the camera was fixed on a table about three feet in front of the camera was a diopter, which is just like a, a fancy word for a magnifying glass. And it was like, you know, two and a half feet in diameter um, on a motion controlled set of wheels. So there was like a, bicycle chain connected to one end of the, the magnifying glass. And then the product was on a modeling stick, these little blacks um, like prop holder stick on the other side of it. And then the diopter was set at like a 45 degree angle. So from the camera, the camera's field of view was entirely still inside of the diopter, but like think about how skewed that image would be. And then uh, because things would have wobbled, if it, took longer we did it in like go motion where it took like all day to shoot this like the camera would go and then it would move a little bit you know so super slow so that there was no wobbling from the movement um and then just over the course of like seven hours like this thing slowly turned upright and brought the picture into perfect focus and clarity and that's how this one shot of this smear of color turning into a tube of of mascara was achieved anyway I was at Silver Cup Studios and we were on the fourth floor. We had the whole fourth floor. Um, while I was working there, floor three, if I'm not mistaken, was being used. I think floor one was the Sopranos. Floor two was Sex in the City. And floor three was like available for rent for lease. Also, if you ever want to see the Silver Cup Studios, um, watch, <laughs> watch, um, Watch the Highlander, the first film, because the climactic fight happens on the roof of the studio because they were just like, let's go upstairs to film it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like the silver cup, like there's this huge neon sign because it used to be a bakery, silver cup bakery that is like featured prominently in that scene. Anyway, um, many interactions with the uh, uh, the ca- the crew and sometimes cast of, of, of Sex and the City while I was working there. One time they had a costume sale. And I went down and I bought a dress that was worn on the show. Oh, I didn't know that. A girl I was dating at one time. Yeah. Didn't fit her. Oh, man. You should get that back. It didn't fit her. And I think she was upset that it didn't fit her because it was too small. And you never saw her again. Uh, happily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that worked out well. But um, and then, uh, yeah, one night I was working late. And a lot of times we'd be working pretty late. And I get into the elevator. And so we had the fourth floor, but half the floor we would make available to other shows. And a lot of times they would put costuming up there. Um, get into the elevator. Oh, hold that. Hold that elevator. 
Okay, sure. I hold the door. In walks uh, attractive young lady uh, wearing nothing. And I mean no undergarments, but a candy striper apron. Um, that was the longest three-floor trip in an elevator I've ever had. Uh, and, you know, you got to make elevator talk. You can't just stand next to a naked person in an elevator and say nothing. You so. can. That'd probably be better for everyone. <laughs> yeah? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Take the three floors silently. Everything's good. How many times is that going to happen? No. No. No, you think you you got to make conversation. That's the better that's the better move there. I don't really care about the moment. <laughs> I'm thinking about the memories. And I think <laughs> you need Listen, man, how many times in your life are you going to end up hold that elevator naked lady gets in? Mm-hmm. You need some details. You can't how I couldn't tell this story. Uh, you know, it would just be so I asked her I was like, "So I guess you're filming?" You know, <laughs> and she laughed and said, "Yeah." I was like, "What?" <laughs> Uh, she's Sarah Jessica Parker's stunt butt. So all the times you saw Sarah Jessica Parker's butt on that show. No, I met the real butt. <laughs> the real butt, which is a great episode, by the way. That's the episode where uh, Big has open heart surgery. And so she's, they're not together at that point, but she shows up at his house and they kind of reconnect a little bit. Yeah. I got to tell you, I think that if I had open heart surgery, I'm not getting the nude candy striper routine or it's not open heart surgery. It's not that intense. He's having like a stint put in a valve replacement. Something's something's happening. Whatever it is, I can pretty much promise you that my wife is not going to take it upon herself to do the naked, uh, the naked candy striper move to cheer me up. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. Wouldn't occur to her. Wouldn't occur to her. Uh, Yeah. Oh, well, Carrie Bradshaw is a special lady. Yeah, fictional lady. That's the difference between real life and fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us back, I hope, to Total Recall, which is a little bit about the differences between real life and fiction. So you loved this movie. You'd never seen it before and you loved it. I had seen a, at least a part of it. I The only image I had of this movie was uh, the opening sequence where he rolls down the hill and his face explodes. His eyes bug out. Oh, the dream sequence. Yeah. And I think it was pretty little when <laughs> I see that. But that <laughs> yeah. But that image has been seared into my brain and probably kept me from rewatching it for a lot of years, actually, because as a kid, that was really unsettling for me. And then I knew there was some, I knew he went into a head device and there was something to do with memory replacement or dream reading, but I couldn't remember what it was when I sat down to watch it the other day. Got it. So that was my experience with this movie. So I don't know if my sister was watching it and I was sitting there and decided to leave the room. I know I haven't seen the whole thing, but I I don't remember what happened. I just remember that image. Oh, from what you saw the whole thing for this. Oh, yeah. Until until a couple days ago. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I just caught that image or it was on TV and we changed the channel. I can't remember what happened. I watched this movie a lot growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, It came out in 1990, I guess. I was born in 83. So I was very much too young to be watching this movie the first time I saw it, Uh, which would have been in 1990. I didn't see it in the theater, but we we had the VHS immediately. We would have rented that the second it came to home to to the rental store. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was a frequent feature 
of sleepovers. This was like one of the few movies that we would put on quite a bit when I would have a sleepover with a friend. So I spent a lot of time watching this movie. Fun thing. I don't think I truly understood the ins and outs and moves of this plot until my most recent watch. Hmm. It was. It's too. It's too twisty. It's too insane. It's very easy to follow until they get to Mars and then they start to drop in, sort of the political side of the story. And yeah, um, what's the name of the guy that? Cohagen. Co- no, no, that's the. What's the name of this like leader that the resistance Quaid. or the? Oh no, Quaid is the other guy. Uh, no, no, uh, it's Kuato. Kuato, yeah, you kind of get Kuato. glimpses of that. You realize there's a deeper story about to unfold, and then it starts to get more difficult to follow. I'd say after, well, do you want to run through it somewhat chronologically? We feel like that works better for us. My own chronology, I, like I was saying, though, is I saw this movie a hundred times, and then like a few years ago, I was like, all right, let's watch Total Recall. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it holds up. Didn't think it held up. I was like, oh, no, this movie... Never want to revisit this again and damage my memories. But then we watched it for the show and I was like, holy shit, does this movie hold up? What the hell was wrong with me? Like, maybe I was fucking drunk or something. and I couldn't follow it when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in a bad mood. Yeah. Like, I, I think it holds up really well, surprisingly yeah. well. Well, and it's still cyberpunk. Definitely. Yeah. Extremely much so cyberpunk. Yeah. Since we were talking about the RoboCop thing, because it's about identity and the loss of identity. For right. Sure. And this one where like RoboCop feels more Terminator-esque, this one feels much more like Blade Runner to me. Yeah. And I think that that's really, so here's the why. This was written by Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Total Recall is a Philip K. Dick short story, which is just like Blade Runner. You know, that's Electronic Dreams, Dreaming of Sheep. This is, we can remember it for you wholesale. Right. Um, those are the the kind of adapted materials for each of these. So they should feel that way. Right. Blade Runner is... Oh yeah, also adapted. Right, exactly. The RoboCop is not really an, is not an adaptation. Yeah, like where in RoboCop you're kind of wondering is any of him still in there? Is any of him a part of this uh robot that they've built? In this one you're wondering who who is this character really? Like and you don't yeah. find out till the end, but like in Blade Runner you're wondering am I a replicant? In this one you're right. wondering like is he Quaid or is he someone else and's just been given memories six weeks ago to be quaid he has two names doesn't he no he's just quaid no but he's no he has two names the version of himself he's talking to on the screen different guy yeah the bad guy i don't remember his name but because he has a line where he says like i am was it douglas or daniel i am douglas quaid it's funny he's credited on imdb only as quaid he has no first name only quaid (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's only good. Uh, My Arnold leaves a lot to be desired. So what I mean by not following it is like, (laughs) as kids growing up, I know for certain the minute he got out of that chair, we had no clue what was actually happening. None. Mm. We were just like, so wait, which guy is he? What the hell just happened? Is was it an implanted memory that screwed up his whole life? What? What? Like it didn't matter though because. There's a girl with three boobs in it and a lot of gunfights. Okay. Let's talk about the three boobs. I was going to wait to you do this jump until right later. ahead to three boobs. Let's just, let's get it out. of. Let's, let's air, air open the, <laughs> the three elephant. boobs. Let's talk about the three boobs in the room. <laughs> yeah. The third boob in the room. <laughs> Makes me wish I had three hands. Yeah. That's what he says. He's just sitting there playing with them. Makes me wish I had three hands. I just, 
they lose all their appeal once that third one is in there for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's really unsettling for me. Did As a little boy, was three boobs like better? The more boobs, the better? Um, I think we just thought it was funny. It yeah, was not, sure. Three boobs wasn't hot, right? Like Sharon Stone is hot. Sharon right. Stone, you can tie me up. It's like, well, something's awakening in me. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. You see three boobs. You're not like, oh, I- yeah well we were just like three boobs yeah <laughs> <laughs> blow that dude's head off <laughs> fuck yeah this movie's great <laughs> i did not until we got to it i knew i did not remember that was this movie like i know three boobs existed in the in cinematic something. universe yeah. somewhere and what yeah. popped up i was like oh here it is three boobs <laughs> okay so two things about three boobs though right okay here's where the two things about the three boobs comes in one Every single time you look at them, you're going to have to make a decision about which side do I motorboat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, two, she does have the ability to motorboat two dudes or or ladies at a time. Well, that's, I mean, she's in the perfect profession. Yeah. (laughs) What other profession? uh, Like, I wet nurse to triplets yeah, like i don't know what i was going to say you're just a just a carrier a child carrier so all right let's get it's the three addressed. boobs out now we yeah, can move we, we can move on now from the three boobs <laughs> then that makes me think of the three she- seashells from um demolition man have you ever seen demolition, demolition man no i have not another cyberpunk movie kind of no that's a movie that has the aesthetics of cyberpunk without being cyberpunk. Yeah. Well, so at first I thought this movie had the cyberpunk themes without many of the aesthetics. And then they, they come in more and more and more as the movie comes right. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. To your point about cyberpunk that you've made before, it starts much more like noir feeling. Yeah. And cyberpunk is often, is kind of a noir genre. It's a neo-noir genre kind of, if you don't, intentionally bend it in some other direction i think it almost always works out to being a neo-noir genre i just wanted to say demolition man if you watch it i i just connected this i always thought of it as republican cyberpunk because like (laughs) so many of the it is like uh, so many of like the basic premise of this movie is the future's too soft everybody's getting wimpy there's way too much uh the good guy in it is like i don't want no nanny state telling me what's okay for me i want to eat a pound of salt actually comes up as a line in the movie so much more libertarian maybe yeah exactly you're like right wing yeah whatever sure Um, but also like when i think about it like it also misses the boat on cyberpunk like it's actually not cyberpunk it's cyberpunk aesthetics action movie fun movie really hard to hate that movie i've seen it many times really great cool ridiculous performances and concepts in it um but yeah yeah that's all that's my only point there we'll have to add it to the list i love the aesthetics of this movie Mm -hmm. so much um because i think now uh like we were just talking about the remake of robocop and it's got all this stupid like holographic floating screens these interfaces nobody wants these non-tactile you can't feel them let me swing my arms around and keep them over my head all day long while i'm working on this computer these people would have the traps aren't like they would just be jacked from doing this all day long this ridiculous um everything about this movie is tactile Mm. you know they've got a video phone but it's a landline video phone. I love that. Oh, and when he whips that thing out, it's 
like the video oh that video phone i thought you were talking about like the video message that he talks to himself on oh from a a briefcase suitcase it's a huge thing yeah exactly uh but no there's like those video phones everywhere and then they've got uh also i want to point out paul verhoven he had the vision of vertical uh aspect ratios Mm. all of their video phones are in a vertical aspect ratios you knew nine by 16 was coming yeah, he did. I think. I think. I think Paul Verhoeven is a real visionary who could see the future at least for a while. Or he's a wizard. A wizard. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven is a wizard. He lost his uh, ability of time travel somehow. Somehow he lost the machine. Yeah, yeah. It took too much toll on him. All right. So let's actually. I think we have to walk through this movie in particular, beat by beat, because I always failed to understand the actual like what the fuck is cohagen's plan because that throughout most of this movie it makes no sense and then he kind of reveals it at the very end and i still think it is easy for it to go right over your head so we're gonna walk through it beat by beat uh and tell me if that's if this is what you got when you watched it because i finally i'm not joking i've seen this movie 50 times finally got it all right let's do it that way also One more comparison. If you're a Black Mirror lover, this movie feels like an episode of Black Mirror made in the 90s. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, very much so. Robocop, not so much. This one definitely has that undertone of, have we created something truly horrible with this technology? Yeah, it's great. So, movie begins. Okay. We've got a guy who's working construction. Well, before that, he has a dream. That's true. He has opens on the dream of Mars. That's right. Which is when we meet his wife, which is the only reason I bring us back there, because it's important yeah. that he's dreaming Sharon Stone. of this brunette woman on Mars. Uh, and Sharon Stone is is his wife, who is a blonde woman, not the brunette, brunette woman on Mars. No. And she's upset about him having this dream all the time. She's jealous. sort of jokingly, but yes. And right. he wants to go to Mars. And she's like, why don't you go to Saturn or Jupiter? Why do you need to go to Mars? She's much more adamant. She's like, I fucking hate Mars. Yeah. I like that is a shithole planet. Uh, <laughs> she's pissed about it. Um, and he also wants to watch the news from Mars all the time. And she right. like, doesn't want to put that on. There is a Martian colony. We know that space travel is at least common enough that people take cruises around the rings of Saturn and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to be it's out of reach for every most people because there is also recall, which will implant the memory, this company, of a vacation into your brain so that you can have the experience of having it, which right. is in itself the most cyberpunk of concepts right away. We're right mm-hmm, there because mm-hmm. this idea about when does memory occur? When does the present even happen? It happens in memory. It is a yeah. continue. You're always behind what's happening. Well, and it gets you thinking like, would it be as good to just remember the experience without right. having it? But it's the point is you don't know that. Yeah. You only ever remember it. I don't know. Yeah. I, it really has me thinking like, but the best part of the vacation is being on the vacation. But of course, I think that now while I'm looking back at the vacation. Yeah. Anyway. You were never actually there. You're only remembering it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Like, even really, like, right? Like, you know, you were never actually even there now. It's over. It's mm-hmm. it's a thing in the past. I could tell, you know, whatever. We're, we're going to, you could spiral on that forever. Sure, forever, which is what makes this movie great. But yeah. My wife pointed out, too, this, like, I love that in all of these movies, Arnold does not even attempt to do any other accent. Every character he plays is an Austrian, flat out. 
period. I was like, yeah, but there's no reason these characters couldn't be Austrian. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no rule that says he couldn't be an Austrian guy. <laughs> the, yeah. So why not? It's what makes Arnold Arnold. Works construction. Um, wants to go to Mars, has friends, talks about recall. Don't go to recall. They're going to fuck you up, man. They're going to. They're going to destroy your brain. Don't go in there. What are you crazy? Yeah, they have all these derogatory names for what it does to your brain. And so they're talking about a guy who ended up having to get a lobotomy. Because, a lobotomy. Yeah. Yeah, he went fully schizoed. Yeah. He goes anyway because he realizes he can't go to Mars and he could go in the, right after work. He could just stop by and uh, have his little recall adventure. He doesn't even have to get it. He goes a- at lunch even. Yeah, he doesn't even have to get his wife's approval. Immediately freaks out immediately freaks out uh has a complete like mental breakdown um as we find out before they even implant the memory they sedate him and throw him in a cab my favorite taxi ever the The johnny Johnny cab Cab. yeah 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 (laughs) he's so saucy and he's just he's carousel of progress like i for so much of this movie i felt like i was in epcot or Tomorrowland. yeah yeah i just love how did I no, how did I get here? The door opened and you got yeah. in. <laughs> he like rolls his eyes. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. I love the Johnny Cab. How did they do you know how they created that? That has to be animatronic, yeah? It's a puppet that someone's operating from off screen or something. It's very cool. The way his lips move is very like it's not just up and down. They like have yeah. motion. There's a lot of puppetry in this movie and it's some of it is better than other parts, but a lot of it's pretty good. Actually, yeah. um, it works pretty good. There's probably a few times in the movie that, like, oh, that wasn't even Arnold's head; like, that was literally just a, a dummy's head or something. Well, there's one in specific once we get to it, but there's one very, very clear moment that that's true. He goes home. He tells his wife. She freaks out. He, oh no, he he has to kill all of his friends from work. They attack him. They they try and kill him. He shouldn't have gone to recall. Well, and you kind of realize so. This is still kind of a hole for me. So he kind of looks at his hands after he kills all them as like, I thought we were going in a direction where it's like he has some sort of like military training or something because right. he seems surprised at his ability to effectively take on four guys with guns at once. Well, he does. Yeah. He does have military training. He's sure. a spy. Like He's right. a fucking okay. yeah. hardcore secret agent. Now, this is the thing. This is the central to me watching this movie as a kid. What we always wondered was, is this happening or is this the recall dream? The whole movie, that's what we were wondering. I did not consider that until we had the scene on Mars later on. But yeah, on a rewatch, yeah, that makes sense. But the first time through, I wasn't thinking that. Right. Okay. Okay. I think we were, but yeah, maybe I'm not remembering correctly. But he goes, he kills these dudes. Uh, did I imagine this? He shows her the blood. She freaks out. She calls some other dude. To come and take care of the situation. Then she tries to murder him. Mm-hmm. She pulls out a gun and tries to shoot him. He subdues her. I love that once she is subdued, all is forgotten. Yeah. 
they're just sitting there. She slashes him with a knife, tries to shoot him, and then they're just sitting in the kitchen. I mean, he's got the gun, but they're just sitting there having like, you know, like a lover's quarrel. Just like, you know. <laughs> oh, why'd you do that? You know, I get crazy sometimes. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I think so- she tells, doesn't she tell him at that point? Like, yeah, I've exactly. only been married to you for six weeks. Yeah. She explains the whole thing. I don't care who You're- you are. I don't know who you are. You're not you. I was assigned to you. Right. Um, everything is fake except for your job. That's real. And we've been here for six weeks. Yeah. Who am I? I don't. I don't know. I knew she was a plant the second he came home. Because also in these movies, they always have to give the man a reason why it's okay to abandon their wife and like someone else. Okay. But also it's just, I mean, she's your femme fatale. She's a lot of things. but And it's yeah. it's a cool plot twist. But I was like, oh, immediately when he got home, I was like, no way. She's a plant. You didn't think she might go along for the ride? Mm-mm, not at all. He's he's already pining over this brunette woman. You know he is. He says that he describes her fully in the chair as his ideal. Like <laughs> demure yet sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they're like, be honest. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it would probably take some coaxing to admit, like, I like my women sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> be honest arnold do you mean uh you know live livacious no i mean sleazy <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean like uh you know like she'll steal the light bulbs from a gas station rather than buy them herself sleazy <laughs> well she works in a brothel called like the eight ball or something like that no uh the last resort Oh, there was a sign at the end. I I didn't pause it. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I'd have to go back and look at it. But I saw something that looked like it said eight ball. I was like, wow, really leaning into. Well, yeah, there probably was of the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, there probably probably was. But it's called the last resort. Yeah, the last resort. Jesus. <laughs> what is demure but sleazy? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, I think. <laughs> I think it means she presents as like a classy lady that you'd want to take to a very fancy dinner. But then once she you doesn't. get home, <laughs> oh. doesn't, she's kind of classy. I think it means sleazy in the bedroom. I think it means willing to try some stuff. But also she works in a brothel. So I guess it makes sense. She's like, but she's not a like a lot of the other brothel workers we see are or the sex workers we see are. um specifically uh advertising well they're fetish like the three boobs like yeah uh and she's not she's sort of your more of an escort style She seems like somebody you have to approach too. everybody else is advertising hey fella you're for a good time there's the demure part yeah that's what it is like you have to go (laughs) hire her specifically and she's gonna be pissed about it but you can but you can it was some writers in a writer room who wrote her character description as demure yet sleazy and thought that was just the most brilliant thing. And there you go. Made it right into the movie. Dan O'Bannon. <laughs> yeah. We're back to hippies love titties. He put three of them. He put three of them. <laughs> hippies really love titties. <laughs> all my years of hanging out at strip clubs, all I wanted was one gal who had three. <laughs> I, I got into movies. Yourself, Dan. I, I got into the Hollywood biz to make my dreams come true, and I finally <laughs> have. I finally have.
So he run. Uh, oh, we find out that she's got a husband. Uh, you know, Michael Ironside, who I want to point out is dating way, punching way above his weight class. <laughs> he is. Oh yeah. Wow, is he out of his league? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's typical of that's typical of women and male, female and male relationships and movies, straight relationships and movies. Sure. Uh, he's gonna try to kill him. I love you got Hacker Man, his his assistant, who's got the yeah. big Casio tracking TV. It says Casio right on it. <laughs> Just before we get off that point, they keep coming back to the point in the movie of like, would you want your wife like placed with that guy? Like they all know that like Arnold well, they got like, that great line where he's just like, I'm sure he, I'm, yeah, I'm sure she hated it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and she even says to him before everything goes haywire, like, ah, you want to, you want to hook up one more time just for like, yeah. just before this is over for old time's sake. Well, I think she's trying to keep him there so that the other guys can come in and cap him in the head. I think she is too, but I also think she wants to. Well, I mean. It's Arnold. I also think that uh, I had sort of a moment about male beauty standards while I was watching this because Arnold was also always like the biggest, most jacked guy. And he got into that chair to have his memories wiped. I was like, he looks very normal by today's standard. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and he, he, when you look at those movies from that time period too, though, he was like, he was big. He was significantly bigger than all of the super jacked action stars of the time period. Of the time. That's my whole point, though. Like Stallone now- couldn't touch that guy with like a 10 foot pole. And you know what I mean? Like, and Stallone wasn't no slouch either. No, but you put him up against like how jacked these guys get for Marvel movies, oh, or you yeah. put him up against The Rock and like. The Rock is ridiculously. Yeah, huge, right. Too. But like, like. There's more and more stars falling into that category. It's not he he's not an outlier. He wouldn't be an outlier today by any means. No, but I also think that like Schwarzenegger probably at that time largely had to figure out how to look like that on his own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and finally people are starting to talk about this guys who are on the receiving end of it. You know, uh, uh, Rob McElhenney talks about it a lot, which is like, how do you get in shape? Well, the studio hires you a guy to tell you what to eat. It's very expensive. And then they hire a trainer to come over to your house four times a day. And, uh, you know, and you just do what they tell you. It's great. Um, and you got some guys talking about steroids finally, because like the rock is on a lot of steroids flat. Like he is like a lot, like those dudes, especially at his age. Yeah. He can't, you can't keep that muscle mass on your own at that age. You never can. It's not physically possible. Even Arnold years later he's like yeah of course i was on steroids we all were we didn't know it was bad for us i stopped when i found out um no you can't it's it that is not if you want to know what it looks like if you lift all the weights in the world without being on steroids (laughs) look at the world's strongest man guys they're all just look like like bowling ball they're boulders yeah 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 that's that's a really good point yeah they're they have to have the heft to to manage it well and you've got like a lot of smaller guys that are stronger than these bigger guys, because it's just these very isolated specific muscles that they're just growing, growing, growing vanity muscles. People call them too. all the same. I wouldn't want to get slugged in the face by a Schwarzenegger. At all. Yeah. Don't, don't try and mimic stars <laughs> ever. They have help. They all have help. I've run into this on the fertility journey. You've got women being like, and I got pregnant when I was 50 and it's like, but you're not telling the whole story because yeah. never has, an embryo been made from a 50 year old's egg you 
froze your eggs when you were in your 20s or 30s. I'm sure it happens, but it's rare. No, it's never happened. It has not happened. They've they've been able to get a viable egg, but it has not been able to be made into an embryo that old. I don't know know how old the oldest person is, but early 40s, maybe, maybe mid 40s. So this idea, I forget which celebrity it was, is like, I decided at 50, I wanted kids and I found this and it magically happened. Like, no, they've been working with people for years to make sure they could put off this process. You decided at 25 to make sure you could have eggs, have kids at 50. That's exactly right. And like, why not just say that? Why do you need to make people feel yeah. like you're impossibly young? Like you are assisted yeah. by medical science and that's fine. But people trying to have kids who think, oh, I can wait till my 50s. Not great. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's, I had... Thank name it. I want to reel back my brain because I had uh, something I wanted to say about, about beauty standards, muscles, about <laughs> steroids. Oh, you know what it was? Somebody said to me, like, I was like, do you really think all these people in the movies are on steroids? Like years ago, somebody was like, it's not the Olympics. They don't drug test you when you get to set. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah. You know, um, that was like, oh, yeah, then they are. That's right. I didn't even consider that. Of course, they're on steroids. There's so much money involved. Um, you know, like the benefits of looking like that are huge. Absolutely. Except for Anthony Starr. Why do you, why? Because his muscles are built into the suit. Oh, <laughs> he's, who's Anthony Starr? He's the guy who plays Homelander. Um, oh, 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 yeah. oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His muscles are part of the suit. That <laughs> That's right. There was something, That's right. There was like when he, they brought in uh, Soldier Boy in the most recent season, like he was working out all the time and like talking about how hardcore his diet was on. And Anthony Starr was like, why didn't you just have them add them to your suit like I did? <laughs> <laughs> Do you see him somewhat naked in the final season finally? No. No, he never. Oh, I think at the very end you do something at the very end because i remember thinking we're gonna start the season next season with a new suit you see from behind you see his butt sometimes sure yeah you do you do but a stump butt could be a stump butt yeah right as as experienced (laughs) someone caught his stump butt in elevator too probably (laughs) i mean it's bound to happen you know, you're making TV and movies. You're bound to get your stunt butt caught in an elevator. All right. Well, we were just at the point where he's he's become aware that. Well, he runs away and then he gets he goes to the hotel room. Right. Uh, and he gets the briefcase from the uh-huh. dude who leaves it for him. He goes and uh, finds out. You're not you. You're me uh, from himself on a video recording. He's got the money. He's got the gun. He's got the thing to rip the tracking device out of his skull. That is like. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's like huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the holograph watch. That thing is cool. Yeah. The watch that duplicates him. He's got that wristwatch that makes him. And the way they introduce it is cool too. Yeah. It's not like, and here's your holograph watch. He like looks at it and puts it on and then you see someone in the shadows and he takes his gun and they both hide. Uh, It's it's great. Show don't tell. It's fantastic. Show don't tell. Exactly. It's so much more effective that way. But it costs more money because you actually have to set up more camera positions. You need to actually shoot the scene. Whereas if you just put a face on camera who says this is how it works. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Talking heads versus action. Uh, you find out you got to wrap your head in a wet towel and rip out the giant thing. And obviously that's a, you were probably getting to, there is one really specific fake person. That's a, that's a big puppet head. 
you know yeah when he pulls that out <laughs> he pulls it out oh no that's actually not the one i'm thinking of but yeah when he pulls that out sure that's probably a puppet head as well it is yeah you can see it which and it looks so you see it come all the oh, way from his oh, eye socket down yeah incredible yeah yeah, yeah. it's horrific nightmare shit. <laughs> uh goes to mars uh gets to mars rides the subway on mars goes to the hilton as instructed on mars the thing moment i'm thinking of is when he's going through customs to mars or going through his passport check to get to mars yes. it's not him he's dressed as this other woman that's amazing that's an amazing that was our favorite scene <laughs> when he removes her head and is holding it above his head in that first shot as you see the head come off it's a fake it's a puppet yeah it's a puppet underneath and then you cut away to the hands and then back down and then it's him the way that that head opened up fucking coolest thing i'd ever seen at that point like yeah and it was like so organic looking and then the metal underneath like is super cool Oh, I love that. Just to step it back, too. How about the uh, security on the subway? How effective is that? We have a huge fluoroscope wall where we can see everybody's bones. Why? I don't know. And then their <laughs> guns. Okay. And then there are 20 of us sitting here doing this in real time, watching for guns. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and they, I mean, like a metal detector. Why? Right. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> Very advanced. Yeah. It's just like, it's such simpler ways to do that, guys. <laughs> you know? Um, We just thought it was cool. Yeah. And then you get that skeleton fight. I'm always reminded of, I think it was a Super Nintendo Total Recall game. Can never get past the skeleton fight. You have to do like a whole gun battle as a skeleton in the video game. Oh, interesting. It's awful. Didn't know there was a game. There was always a game and it was always terrible. The video game adaptations <laughs> were never good. Except for uh, except for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Excellent game. Okay. Fair enough. That wasn't Super Nintendo though. That was NES. NES probably, yeah. Um, Guest of Mars goes to the hotel. We go to the last resort. We meet the girl who is very angry and confused, uh, wins over bad dude, man, is pursuing him. Bad dude is pursuing him. Cohagen tells him, don't kill him. So here's a problem for me, right? He knows all this stuff. Why don't we want him dead? Watching this movie the other night, I was like, why doesn't Cohagen just want him dead? Because it's his buddy. That's what you think. Yeah. At the end, he's real buddy, buddy, buddy with who he really is. So he races memory and and plop him on Earth. Okay. He's one of their undercover agents. He's one of their guys. Right. That's actually not the right answer, but it's... It, it, <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. What's the right answer? That's what I'm saying is, though, this is what I'm saying is that the plot is so obtuse that yeah. I only figured it out on this recent watch. That's what I thought for years. I was like, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I wouldn't want to kill my friend either. Um, okay. So... The mutants, that's the issue, right? There's mutants who live in like the slums and they don't have enough air and they're always like getting ripped off for air and Cohagen charges for air and air yeah. is like, you know, you got to have air. That's pretty important. Well, you on a, on a planet that has no indigenous people, they created an in- something similar. Yeah, very, very. Um, that's definitely from the Philip K. Dick story, right? Yeah. Like, what was it? There was bad radiation shielding and they all got mutated. When right. But these are the here. first people that were sent there to work in the mines. Yeah. Not that it doesn't still happen, but the mutants sort of take place of 
we're colonizing this planet and kicking out the people who were here before us. Yeah, because they were there first. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, and they live in kind of the, they they run the red light district. But what is it about the mutants that they all share in common? Do you remember this? Because it's subtle in the movie. No, I know they they're all, all have, like, psychic. Oh, they're all psychic. They're all psychic. I miss that to various degrees. They're all psychic to various degrees, and they have a like leader, Kuwato, mm-hmm. uh, who is like their their the rebel leader. You know, because they're trying to. It's not really clear what they want to achieve. I mean, as our cab driver's friend says, what does everybody want? More money, more freedom, more air, um, better jobs. So I don't know that they actually want to like take over the Mars colony or if they're just agitating for like better conditions. And in reality, it's, you know, if we're going to break it down, there's probably various co, co you know, factions within the coalition of the mutants. And some of them have different ideas for the ideal outcome of their resistance campaign. Clearly. Yeah, we find out from our dissenter that that's that's true. The, the cab he driver who he just wants to take care of his family. Family first. He's a Republican. <laughs> his family doesn't exist. Right, his non-existent family. He just wants money. I got five kids to feed. Thought you said. Well, I got at six one point, kids to feed. They say that because there's some graffiti that says Coato on the wall, and one of the guys says like they see him as like their George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so they want a revolution is what i took from yeah. that i just love though like uh, like not jesus not like some spiritual leader <laughs> that they, they don't see him as like that george washington they yeah. see him as george washington <laughs> they want him to be the first president of the freed mars so quaid is trying to figure out what's going on with his lost memories you know um what's interesting about this is that is he at this point trying to recover his lost memories or is he because like does he not realize maybe he doesn't at this point that like when he recovers his lost memories the him that exists now will cease to exist only if they strip his current memories oh i guess that's true he could be thinking that like yeah i'll just get access to my real life and i'll be on it'll be that on top of this I don't have to erase myself, but I'll figure out how this all came to be. But yeah, you'd think like there'd be some sort of concern that now you would be conflicted about yeah. who this other person that you were is. Yeah, I don't know. But he doesn't feel that way. He becomes very strong, very strongly believes that he's Quaid and he's fighting for Quaid right. himself. He does have a different name. There is two names, and I wish I could remember what they are. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we go back to at some point. We get back to the hotel, and that dude who shows up, uh, Doctor Edgemer, uh, to, to tell him like, "No, you're still at Total Recall. You know, we have to get you out of uh, this situation." And he's half convinced, and he holds him, puts a gun to his head, and then he sees he's sweating and realizes that this is not. He's lying, and his immediate response. Isn't to cold cock him, isn't to tie him up and walk away. He immediately shoots him in the head. <laughs> Square, right in the middle of the head. You're lying to me. Bang! Billy Loomis scream style. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then he kills his pretend wife. Yep. Also right in the middle of the head. Same shot. He's really good at that shot. Yeah, very good. Yeah, he's a seriously well-trained murderer. Um, and then uh, uh, at that point, you know, Cohagen is not going to be able to control Richter. Richter, despite being told repeatedly, do not kill Quaid. 
he's gonna kill Quaid. He's gonna mm-hmm. kill him. Uh, dude is just not only was he been banging his wife, he killed his wife. And yeah. honestly, I'm sympathetic. <laughs> you know? Well, and I think what they were, tr- yeah. Well, I get Richter's position in all of this. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, somebody kills your wife. You're probably gonna try to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, agreed. (laughs) Well, and they, um, yeah, they had to put him in danger by making sure because if the whole time the whole company was like, we're not going to kill him, we're just going to capture him, then the stakes aren't nearly as high. You got to have a guy in there who wants him dead. You're absolutely right. Um, so you also find out that there's alien artifacts on Mars. And that the mines have been closed and that that's a thing too. Like, this is so many things going on, right? Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. okay. Here's our plot. Man doesn't know who he is, has this weird memory lapse, memory implantation. What's going on there? He's caught up in something he doesn't understand. Plot two, there is a like rebel insurgency going on where the yep. mutants are trying to regain freedom. Plot three mostly told through news stories that are happening in the background. The mines have shut down. Everybody's out of work. Things are getting rough. The planet Earth isn't getting its shipments of Tiberium or whatever it is, like the stuff. I think that's actually the same name of the stuff from the uh, Red Alert games. Um, Command and Conquer games, like Tiberium or something. Um, And maybe there's alien stuff there. Not everybody believes it. Like, wow, we're so many layers going on already in this movie. It's out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I suppose there's a whole, like, if you want to call it a plot, like... (laughs) Richter out for very justifiable revenge for the murder of his wife. Yeah. Sure. Um, so many things happening. Well, and you still don't know like what Copenhagen's not Copenhagen, Cohagen. Cohagen. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Um, I was still very I, I didn't know what his goal was. Right, yeah. Yeah. Just to keep people enslaved. Right. I suppose. Yeah. So they can continue is he making money is he the guy is it his company that's building these domes he owns everything it's his colony he owns the mines like yeah okay so if those don't need to exist he doesn't need his company doesn't need to exist yeah i mean if you think about it too like everybody needs air to live he's basically got everybody working on right company script at that point like i pay you and i charge you you know like that's commoditizing water in this particular case it's actually even more so like it's like living in a a factory town yeah okay it's like when the miners used to work in the coal mines and then they would get paid in coupons to go shop at the coal mine shop Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they wouldn't get money and they had a house that was owned by the mine and stuff like they were just slaves yeah um Oh, before we move on real quick too, in that scene where they tell him he's still in the chair, they offer him a red pill to I take. I know. I thought about that. Yeah. Yes. Very Matrix Yeah, moment. right. I mean, I think the Matrix was definitely taking that. Yeah, Absolutely. No, that's 100% on point. And actually, then I kept thinking about it more and more. And I was like, the Matrix took a tremendous amount of inspiration from a comic book called The Invisibles that mm-hmm. everybody should read. It's great. Um, like scenes lifted straight out of it um yeah um and then kind of the invisibles is about street wizards like it's about magical realism they just like uh let's what if it was about this instead but like literally took the same characters character designs like it's kind of crazy um i think that the matrix is basically a fusion of the invisibles and total recall you put them together because like there's a kind of a lot that kind of goes together there not knowing who you really are yeah implanting memories yep Mm -hmm. yeah Skills, memories. Exactly. So we finally meet Kuato. I forget how we get there, but we get to Kuato. 
he's talking to a guy who's like, so let me introduce you to Kuwato. It turns around and like reveals this like demon baby in his stomach. It's Krang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just the, the, where is my body? <laughs> you promised me a new body. <laughs> Krang from the fucking Ninja Turtles. Yeah. 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 Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You keep working on your turtles. You want build new body. Yeah. <laughs> you got a voice a voice actor career in there somewhere. I would love to have that career. Give me that career. I will act the shit out of your voices. Um Yeah, he he uh anyway. Uh we meet Kawato. He's like a half-formed baby puppet that lives in this dude's stomach. Oh, just a head. Yeah, he's just a- It's gross. And he, why is he so moist? <laughs> him and arnold arnold always looks like he's got tanning oil on always yeah but kuato is slimy like he's slimy i agree yeah. yes there's a different kind of wet <laughs> he's but, not sweating he's dripping in ky jelly <laughs> yeah it's gross it's very yeah. shunting it's very yeah there's a lot going on there yeah reference to society uh he's gonna open your mind to me quick and he uses his psychic powers to kind of uncover some of Quaid's buried memories. And that's how Quaid learns about the secret reactor inside of Mars that he thinks is going to release the atmosphere from these buried glaciers. Real solid science there. I mean, it's not unsolid. You want to get into the science of it? In seconds, in minutes, we'll have a new atmosphere. Sure. We could we could do a quick. I mean, the real reason This you're on board with, but but uh clear is a bridge too far. Yes, but only because of the way that like essentially this comes down to magic and there's a description discrepancy about does the magic work or not? I think it'll kill us all. You think it'll save us all. That's the discrepancy. Right. And to his credit, I do think Kohagen genuinely believes that there's a real chance it'll blow up the planet and kill everybody. Sure. Uh, and why wouldn't there be? <laughs> it's a big gamble to turn this sucker on. The aliens never turned it on. Um, but the thing with clear in Glass Onion is that they tell you flat out that it's hydrogen. And then- there's an argument about what the problems are about hydrogen-based fuels. And it's like, but there are real problems with that. If you, like I said, with if they had just said we found magic diamonds, mm-hmm. magic special powers, I would have been on board with it. Sure. But we know what the problems are with a hydrogen-based energy source. They suck. So this is magic atmosphere creating machine. Sure. But if you want to get into the science of it, the reason that Mars doesn't have an atmosphere is because it doesn't have a magnetic field and the solar wind will continually rip any atmosphere you put on there away from Mars. Um, But if you could somehow turn like vaporize a bunch of water, like a huge amount of water, like that's basically our atmosphere came from volcanoes, mostly volcanic Mm -hmm. eruptions released water vapor and oxygen and carbon dioxide and all that stuff into the atmosphere. So, I mean, like, Kinda kinda makes sense, except for the part about like you still need a magnetic sphere to, to have an atmosphere stick around. Right. But yeah, it kind of makes sense. And actually Mars does have a thin atmosphere. The depiction the depiction of what happens to you if you go outside on Mars is not accurate <laughs> at all. <laughs> or if a door opens, you're just like, it's the Star Wars, you're just hanging on to a bar, not get, trying not to get sucked out. Oh, dude, you get sucked out. Yeah. I, that that was like such a that's like people always talk about the um 
the fear of uh, uh, quicksand from when mm-hmm. we were kids, but like the fear of depressurization, like the spaceship is going to depressurize or the airplane is going to depressurize and you will immediately be sucked out from the pr- air escaping. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's a line and hook. You're afraid you're going to get sucked out. It's not real because what would happen is it would be like turning on a very powerful fan. <laughs> sure. And then the air would be gone. It would just leave and you're not going to get sucked out by it. It's not going to pick you up and throw you. It doesn't, it's just going to, okay, the air is gone. It's not going to be like that. The Mars, it's just like this crazy tornado. Oh my God. How would you even, how how could they continue to exist there? Clearly that dome probably, like there's got to be leaks. It's got to be repaired all the time. No, it is perfect. Oh, I think all they're shooting guns the whole time. They're just firing guns. And finally at the end, he's like, no, you'll break the dome. I'm like, yeah, finally, someone's worried about firing guns inside this place. Fucking nerd who's always running around that tracking device machine. <laughs> Dork. Making fun of me for my wife getting fucked by Schwarzenegger. Um, we get to Quaid. We get to Kawato. Kawato reveals all this. But what happens to Kawato in that scene? I don't remember. He gets killed. He does. He just gets straight up killed. Yeah. Yeah. The taxi cab driver whips out a machine gun and murders him. So that's where you find out that Benny, we get betrayed by Benny or betrayed by Benny. Benny kills him. Yeah. And we get captured. We get captured and Cohagen brings us up and he's going to recall, recall Quaid and turn him into his former self. He puts him in the chair. He's bolted in. Uh, You know, Melina's in another chair. She's bolted in. I I really love the way Cohagen approaches all of this. He explains to him like, "Well, we're just going to put my friend's memories back in, and you're going to cease to exist, and I'm going to be hanging out with my friend. In fact, we're throwing a big party later." <laughs> oh, and he's an asshole. That's the great a great reveal too. You find out that Quaid's the real Quaid, or however you want to put it, is a real yeah. dick. So this is where we get it. He finally lays out the entire plot and right. why we are here and all this is happening. I also like too that the part of their plan is like, you like Melina? You can have her. We're going to give her a new personality. She's just going to want to bang you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like they have that power. That's scary. Like this is like, yeah, um, right. This is, this is what's that movie, uh, 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 get out. Like he could just take your identity and zero it. And just write a new personality, a new history, a new mm-hmm. everything into you. And it does get into that cyberpunk question of like, what the fuck is a person? A person. What is an identity? What is a, it's just a pile of memories and we could change them around. Mm-hmm. Um, very Blade Runnery. Uh, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, so very. here is the actual Cohagen plot. And it hinges on you remembering that all the mutants are psychic. Mm. This was your idea, Quaid. This was your plan. You came up with this and volunteered for it. We erased your memories and we threw you on earth. Okay. To stay there until you got activated, but you got activated early, which worked out great. And the reason is we've been trying to find Kuato forever, but we could never get close to him because they're all psychic. And anybody who was looking for Kuato to kill him, they would see it a mile away and they would, um, they they would break off the meeting and they would put Kawatu into hiding. You had no idea you were looking for Kawatu. We erased your memory, put you on Earth. We were going to activate you, send you back to Mars, and then you were going to lead us to Kawatu. And you would never trip any of their psychic defenses. And you did it. And that's why the whole movie, Kohagen, 
Like, why doesn't he want to kill this guy? He knows mm. enough to take him down. Why would you just erase his memory? And like, I'm watching it like, this doesn't make any sense until that moment. And it's like, what a great fucking reveal. Yeah, they need him to get to Kawato first. And the idea of like, we need to like fool the psychics and psychics being a real problem in your science fiction setting extremely philip k dick he's got psychics mm. all over the fucking place in his his stories what else has he written um minority report for okay. one <laughs> i also wrote down this is very okay that that tracks um my favorite of his short stories is the days of perky pat which is bizarre mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a very strange story about a society that lives like it's a post-apocalypse society everybody lives in these underground silos uh and in this silo, the grownups think it's very important to play with Perky Pat, which is basically a Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. And they have like very specific ways that they play with Perky Pat and that like there's rules to how you play with Perky Pat and like who her boyfriend is. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you play with the doll and then you introduce like the storyline. Like it's imagine playing with Malibu Barbie mm-hmm. and like, you know, where Malibu Barbie lives, what she drives and who she dates. And it's important that you play out those specific scenes. And at the point in the story. Uh, this was never adapted into a movie. I think Days of Perky Pat should be ad- adapted into a movie. Um, while I'm on it, Through a Scanner Darkly is also Philip K. Dick. Lots of stuff is Philip K. Dick. I can't think of it all. Um, they find out that another silo exists and they <laughs> they make contact and you find out that, that, that we're going to have a detente. We're going to get together finally and we're going to play Perky Pat together. And this is like going to be like the big piece of cool. Mm-hmm. And they get there and they find out, well, they don't play Perky Pat. They play Sirius Sarah or whatever her name is. And like Perky Pat's like a high school girl and she's like very concerned with dating. And this other girl has like a job. She's like a lawyer. It's very serious. And they find out that they play with their dolls in a different way and that no no understanding can come between these two groups of people. Incredible. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's amazing. There's another one. I forget the name of it where like they're having auditions for who's going to be the president. But the president is actually just the present wife of the first lady, present husband of the first lady. The first lady is the actual ruler of the country, but nobody knows this. Nice. She just rotates husbands and they're having auditions for who's going to be her husband. Sounds like my type of my type of story. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of really, <laughs> they're all great. He wrote a lot of really good stuff. Anyway, obviously he's Phil K. Dick. Yeah, but so PKD with the psychics and stuff like that. So at this point, right, we have solved the plot. And this mm-hmm. is actually, the movie does, the stakes get severely reduced at this point. Um, somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes Superman. He pulls out a <laughs> like eight inch long solid steel lag bolt or through bolt from his chair and uses it to stab a dude in the head. Brilliant. And they escape uh, before being memory wiped. And then he kills everybody well he th- we finally get the payoff of the holograph you can tell i really oh, like yeah the, yeah that's right they have that crazy gun battle which movies used to do this better right they would plant a really strong seed and then just leave it alone just let it lie yeah and then when it needs to come out it's like oh yeah 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 i love when they're switching it back and forth and they're both taking turns using it and he's just laughing he just thinks it's hilarious is it me oh yes it is me <laughs> yeah <laughs> give these people out i love that too you can't i can't not watch this i can't watch this movie and not scream every three to four minutes 
Gaigan, give these people air. Um, <laughs> also, there is some stakes, which is that the mutants are all going to die. I forgot about yes. that. They cut off the air supply to the mutants. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a right. yeah. From an audience perspective, that's dependent on us being really attached to these mutants. <laughs> I am. I, I I felt it. I I was I I had a moment where I was like, does this end with like everybody dying? <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was going to succeed. Or what right. success really even looked like at that point, but from an intellectual standpoint, of course, I'm in, in invested in the mutants. But from like, in, let's sit back and eat popcorn. Like, it's hard to be invested in these characters who you met in like one or two scenes, who are not like the people who are outside of where the mutants are running out of air is really where your emotional investment lies. Yeah, well, they they've already killed three boob, which is a real disaster. Because if you had some cutaways to her, yeah, yeah, you know, some people you got to know a little bit more, but well, they have that little girl with the face. Yeah, right, and the mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the stakes. You're supposed. Yeah. To, I mean, and it's effective. It's really effective. Yeah. That kid, even though you can't see half of her face or whatever, like boy, um, she 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 get, pulls at those heartstrings. She's a powerful character. Mm-hmm. Kills everybody. Kills Richter. Kills them all. Total recall. S- success. Richter never gets his very justifiable revenge. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's not that. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not really. His wife's a soldier, too. Yeah, that's true. We get to the reactor room and Cohagen and him have this face off. And Cohagen genuinely believes that this is going to kill everybody. It's not just about the money at that point. Because if it was, he would offer to buy Quaid out. Mm-hmm. Right? He'd be like, look, I'm going to make you rich. Like, leave it alone. Um, instead, he's like, you're going to kill us all, you son of a bitch. Uh, and. I think the movie makes a mistake here because he shoots. Does he shoot Cohagen? No. Cohagen falls out to the uh, the bad atmosphere first and dies. He falls first and he's out long enough to die. Yeah. And then we activate the reactor. It's got that thing where you got to put your hand in it like that. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Love it. Very, very cool. Um, I want to say the reactor, the way it looks and the way it operates, one of my top 10 favorite like cool science fiction machines when i was a kid okay loved, it. loved like the way those poles were getting hot the reactor poles mm-hmm. and they come down 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 i didn't realize until this recent viewing either how big that thing is it's huge it's big it's like yeah. the whole planet so they they get thrown out into the atmosphere but <laughs> as their eyes are about to explode out of their faces right yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Very ugly. It's a very ugly death when you die it, on Mars. Yeah, it is. It's got to be a closed casket. <laughs> Just exploding body parts. Um, and then, yeah, their eyes get sucked back into their head. And uh, well, the, the reactor finally works and like the volcano explodes with atmosphere. It's just atmosphere. With beautiful blue skies. Yes. Yeah. Blue sky on Mars. Yep. The dome shatters. Everybody is free. We save the day. Yeah, until a new leader takes over and you have a new set of problems to fight. But all victories are temporary. We don't need to to shit on their parade. Uh, you know, they're temporary. It's fine. <laughs> they have to make new victories. There's always going to be. It's always forward and backwards. Um, I love it. It's great. He gets the girl. He saves the day. But was that all the recall dream? Which is like there are so many. I honestly, I think this movie is just too fucking complicated. I bet most people don't know what's going on. See, I thought they put that to bed when he shoots the guy in yeah, the I think head. You're right. 
When he says, I'm not really here. Oh, also, when he shoots his wife, we forgot the great line, consider this a divorce. Consider this a divorce. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It must have been in his contract that, like, every time I kill someone, I get to say something. Yeah, I get a a catchphrase line. Because there's so many. Like, his whole career is filled with them. I think the movie that has the most, and it's, like, built for that purpose, is Running Man. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that Phil O.K. Dick? No, that's Michael Crichton wrote Running Man. Um, anyway, I love this movie. This movie does do one thing that's nails on a chalkboard for me that I hate when it happens. What's that? They inject the title into the movie in a line. Oh, yeah. And it's in this one. It's it's so so he could have a total recall. It's like she says he doesn't remember anything. He says that was then in an hour he could have total recall it's like you might as well like stop look at the camera yeah. wink total recall drives me crazy i'm actually for it <laughs> i hate it i hate it so much no i think saying the name of the movie is great <laughs> when you make a movie where it's like the title gets said over and over again because it's like a thing in the movie like i, I don't know i can't think of a perfect example like now but like peter pan it's his name um that's fine but when you just find a place to inject it once it makes me insane I love it. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Like, that's what I like about this movie, right? Is, And I think we talked about it with RoboCop. His point being that, like, no, you have to hold the machine gunning the guy to death too long so that we, we venture into the absurdism, right? Like, this movie is still absurdist. And I think that, it like, it knows it's a movie. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's why saying the name of the movie in the movie is great it knows it's a movie it's so silly like it is i think it's camp a little bit a little bit yeah it definitely well arnold is camp in a way like anything with him feels starts to feel that way in in hindsight probably not when you saw it in 1990 but now it does it's like anything with um nicholas cage nicholas cage or gold bloom yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, too, is that, like, I never noticed this when I was a kid, but there's, like, a lot of missing effect- or, like, bad effects in this movie. Mm. There's some really good effects, but, like, when you meet um, Kuwato, if you aren't distracted and looking at Kuwato, if you look up at, like, the actor's neck, you can just, you can see, like, sometimes you can see the lines on makeup, but, like, it's out here. There's, like, mm. a latex chest plate that's just, like, like this, like his, mm-hmm. you can see his whole neck opening. <laughs> yeah, I think between the 70s and, and early 90s, you got a lot of forgiveness for some of that stuff because you were trying so much shit. Well, um, I think that my point about being misdirection, like the, the script flipped right back then. We have to put this. We're going to we need this effect to tell the movie. Let's make sure. No, let's arrange the scene. Let's make sure the action is telling people don't look at that too close. Mm-hmm. At some point. Um, maybe Star Wars is the beginning of this turn. It becomes let's make sure people are looking at that effect. That's yeah, the cool thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's more of a magic trick in these movies. With they had to work with a little bit of a lower budget. You know, it's all about like don't look at what my hand is doing because this is the one that's got the secret ball in it. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm making you look over here. It's an illusion. Yeah. Um, which I love. Like that's just like that's classic cinema. That's like that's 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 cinema magic. That's what makes it. Well, and if you watch something enough, if you watch it over and over and over again, you're going to find all those little goofs and mistakes and look at the places you weren't supposed to be looking. I think that's a trained thing for me, too, which is that, like, 
basically every post house I've ever worked at, I've gotten tapped on the shoulder to be Mr. QC. Look everywhere on screen, but where they're trying to make you look. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I find those one frame pops, find that mm-hmm. you know, every, every single thing. Uh, you wouldn't know it from watching how to drink because there's all kinds of typos and errors in there. But I also, I don't QC how to drink. I, I intentionally am not that guy on that show. Yeah, it's so, tough. There's too much to do. Um, there's at least one missing blue screen. Oh, really? Uh, I think it's after he leaves, like the customs scene when like the head explodes and they're running through the halls and whatever. And there's all kinds of guns being fired. There's like windows out on Mars and like, you know, it's, it jumps out. Because Mars is fucking red. Yes. And then all of a sudden, there's this <laughs> just bright blue, blue screen. <laughs> it's, it's only there for a second. You know, you whip right past it. But yeah, it's a miss. It's an, an incomplete blue screen. I love that. Go back. I'm sure. Is there a remastered version of this movie? I think if there was, we would have seen it. That's what we yeah, would have watched, right? Probably. And watching that movie and looking at the sets in it and stuff like that. Um, so we are finally on like the the home stretch of buying a house mm. um and uh you know you know all the this the crazy shit you said you were going to do if you ever had your own house when you were a kid mm-hmm. i'm gonna do it all good i that's currently currently doing that to our house i've decided that we're gonna i'm gonna take the basement and turn it into a science fiction i'm gonna basically recreate total recall mars in the basement that's my goal I love the sets of this movie. I yes. love just like the steel plates with holes in it. I love it. It is love it. beautiful, tangible, just metal. It's all metal. There's no wood in the entire Mars sequence. And I love- Nor should there be. Exactly. But that's why it's just like, oh, the in- interiors of the bars. I was thinking the same thing. Like we have this big dream of building like a little windowless speakeasy in our basement and i always wanted to make it uh like the interior of the ministry of magic at at in harry potter and yeah. for for lots of reasons i'm sort of rethinking that idea but at looking at the interior yeah. bar of the sequence i was like i just need to go full like colonized mars metal rusty just like uh yeah very cyberpunky neon signs places like yeah i was really digging it well this has been midnight local our producer is annie villalobos big thank you to her and also to heather vaughn who did the artwork see you next time on midnight local where can they hear it anywhere you get your podcasts yeah or on youtube at youtube.com slash midnight local go listen watch it click links yeah do things All right, kids, stay safe out there. Bye-bye.